How many of you have been to Yosemite? Okay, Yosemite is one of my favorite places. Um, I went there for the first time when I was eight years old with my dad and my mom and my sister and her boyfriend um, and my brother, Chuck, and his girlfriend. Neither one of those two people became spouses, so we kind of, you know how that is. Their, their pictures are cut out of all the, the pictures. But I remember just my dad had vacationed every summer in Yosemite as a boy. So not only was it like incredible to see Half Dome for the first time, um, to see Bridalville Falls, uh, to see all these sites, but it was amazing to hear my father's stories as we went through. And when it came to this study and what we wanted um, to illustrate about our great faith. They, they came back with different covers for the book, and, and one of them was flowers. And I love flowers, but the flower fades. You know, I don't know about you, but my flowers die. Whether they're on the plant or in the vase, they die. There's a time limit to my flowers. But half dome is made out of granite, and it just looks the same. I mean, I went there when I was a kid. I went there a few years ago. It, it looks the same, and it hasn't moved one iota. It's still right there. And as I thought about what does our great faith look like, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 that our faith has substance and evidence. It is firm. It's a stronghold. It does not move. It does not change. When we were praying about what to call the study of Hebrews, the title came, Our Great Faith. And there are many reasons to talk about Hebrews in terms of our great faith. And it's important to know that our faith is great because there's so many misconceptions about faith. Many think that faith is a force that you harness. You know, like, uh, you know, and that's why you'll say, well, you have faith. You know, I don't really have, you know, I believe, but I don't have faith. No, faith is not this force. It's not like Star Wars. It's not a force, you know, trust the force. It's not a force. It's a person. Others think it's a special power possessed in greater measure by some Christians than other Christians. Not true. Some think it's acceptance of everything. Well, you just, you know, you just say, well, that's just the way it is. No. In fact, sometimes faith will cause a holy discontentment with the status quo and what you see. Some people think it's an ability, like a talent, a gift to believe or almost a divine gullibility. I don't know, I just believe. You know, sorry. My kids would be so embarrassed if they saw that. <laughs> Faith has substance and has evidence. It is the body of what we believe about Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. Faith is not a force. Faith is the substance or essence of what we know to be true about Jesus Christ, about who he is, 
about what he's done and about what he has said. And as we believe in Jesus, the truth about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the only God-man, we have faith. We have faith. When you first believed, it went in like a mustard seed. Small. There was something in you that said, this is true. And you responded to that. And then as you begin to read the Bible and come to church, it began to grow and grow. And you became more and more sure that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world and rose again, the only begotten Son of God. And it is on that premise, on that substance, that you have faith. That is what faith is. Now, no matter how much you believe a lie, it does not turn the lie to truth. If you have faith in a lie, you have no power. Believing in Santa Claus does not make him a real person, does not make him appear at Christmas time, does not cause a blockage in your chimney, does not create reindeer, one with a red nose, no matter how much you believe. I mean, if believing a lie would actualize it and and bring a power to it, you know what? Santa Claus would be alive. Because think about all those under six who believe in Santa Claus. It would be an actuality. If all it took was believing or it was a force or a power, then Santa Claus would be a real person. If I believe my iWatch can teleport me to a different location and I act on that and I sell my car, I will never go anywhere. I will be stuck in one place. So faith is only as great as the truth it believes in, acts upon, and is established in. But let me say this. Our faith is great because It is based in the greatness of the Son of God. That's why our faith is great. Because our faith is about the ultimate word of God, the express image of God, the creator God, the incarnate God, the saving God, the victorious God, the caring, compassionate God, the God who is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, the substance of which the law, the tabernacle, the temple, the feast, the promises, the rituals, we're all pointing to. Our faith is great because it's based in the Son of God. That's why it's great, because of the person, the object of our faith. Our faith is great because it brings us into a new and living covenant with God. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we come into a relationship with God. We we are, so to speak, come into a marriage with God, a covenant relationship where God promises to bless and work in our lives. And we promise 
to believe and surrender and trust and entrust to him. It's a living covenant with God. And we can only enter this living covenant with God by believing or faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith is great because by believing in Jesus, we receive or the benefits of believing in Jesus Christ, the benefits of placing our faith in Jesus Christ are the forgiveness of all our sins. Now that's huge. That is absolutely huge. They are forgiven and they are forgotten. They are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And God has said, I will remember them no more. They've been paid for in full. To try to take them back would be to say that the blood of Jesus Christ was ineffective or not enough. But it was so effective. It was more than enough. But it also gives us the favor of God. That God looks at us and says, I like them. I love them. They get to go to the front of the row. They get to be first on the plane. Don't you love favor? Don't you like, you know, when somebody knows you, it's like, hey. You know, I remember um, I had this teacher. Her name was Mrs. Bean. You don't, you don't forget a name like that. And for some reason in her class, I found out later, I had this favor. I remember she marked up. She's my math teacher, and she marked it that I got 100%. And I went up to her, and I said, Mrs. Bean, I didn't get 100%. I missed one. And so she said, oh. And she almost looked, like, grieved, like, hurt that she had to mark one off on my paper. You know, so it was, like, minus one. A, not A plus. And I went back to my seat, and it was time to dismiss. And she said, I'm going to let Cheryl go five minutes early because she was honest. I was like, oh, I was honest. I floated out of class. I still remember. I mean, look, I'm 58, and I remember what happened in fourth grade. That's kind of sick. When I was in sixth grade, she called me to her room, and she said to me, Cheryl, I'm a Christian, and I've seen Jesus on you. And there's some of us that are praying for you, and I just want you to know that. Isn't that amazing? But that favor, that favor is just, oh, to know you're favored, but oh, we have favor, the favor of God. So he looks at us and he says, you're my child and I delight in you, the favor of God, which is also the grace of God. We have the promises of God because of Jesus, because of our faith in Jesus, all the promises of God, all throughout that Bible, this Bible, are ours. We can lay claim to them and know that they will be accomplished. You can't say, well, that was just for Isaiah or the people of Israel. No, all those promises through Jesus Christ, because he earned them, become our promises. So we can lay claim. We can plant ourselves in. We can pray according to the promises and know they will come true. All the blessings of God are ours. All, all the blessings, all the, the honor, the, the joy, the, the good things, the future, the hope are ours. 
but also our faith is great because the power of God, we, we receive the power of God. You're not on your own. It's not by your strength. It's not by your might, but by the spirit of the Lord. God will accomplish these things. So as we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we receive the power of God working through our lives. We receive the righteousness of God. The righteousness. We, we meet that righteous requirement because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Because we believe God about Jesus and it is counted for us as righteousness. We receive hope. Hope. Hope for every circumstance. Difficulties and trials hardship. They do not take us down, but we have hope in all things that God will work and do the extraordinary. But we also have hope in death. We sorrow, but not as those that have no hope. We miss those who have gone into heaven before us, but we know that they are glorified, perfected, and we will be with them in glory. And we will be singing around the throne room of God. And eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind or heart of man the things that God intends for those who love him. There's so much more that we cannot understand as long as we're earthbound. But all the glories that await us. So we have hope. I love how John Wesley put it in the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He said, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. This is what we get through our faith in Jesus Christ. So it's great. Our faith is great because by faith we become joint heirs with all the saints who accomplish great feats won battles, obtained promises, passed tests, made right choices, received their dead back to life, brought down walls, and simply survived and thrived in persecution. We become joint heirs. Their reward is also our reward. I mean, we can call it like, you know, Abraham's wife, Sarah, my sister, Sarah, my brother, Abraham, we're joint heirs. I was reading just in my personal devotions the other day where Jesus said, many will come from the east and the west and they'll sit down and they'll eat and drink with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are just my friends. There's no like, oh, it's Brad Pitt. None of that. <laughs> when we get to heaven, it's like, hey, David. David's like, hey, you ever, you ever do a slingshot? Want to learn? Want to go on an adventure? Like, yeah. All those people that you've read about were joint heirs. Our adventure continues with them. Our faith is great because by it, through faith, just believing, God accomplishes his good, great, and perfect will. God does extraordinary things because all the glory goes to God. When it's about faith, we can't take credit for it. We can't say, well, yes, I went to, you know, I trained for this. You know, I got educated for this. I No, all of that is done away with. There's no boasting. Because faith rolls all the glory onto God, all the responsibility onto God. It's about God. 
It's all about God and not about us. Our faith is great because it works in us and through us the divine life of Christ. It gives Jesus more and more superiority in our hearts and minds and lives. Oh, it gives more and more to Jesus. It's like, Lord, I just found an unsurrendered area. Take it, take it quick. I've I've been reading, I'm doing this research. I'm writing this children's book, Pray For Me. And it has to do with the Knights of Templar, but in my book, they're called the Knights of Salem. And it's it's a children's book. And as I'm writing this, I've been studying the Crusaders. And the Crusaders would take... Um, they would take a Muslim stronghold like Akko or Antioch and they would take it and they would possess it. But even after they possessed it, there were still Islamic strongholds in these cities. And those who were um, of the Saracens, they were attacking the Crusaders and the Knights of Templar from these strongholds that were still in the city. Now the city was possessed by the Crusaders. They had the reign over it. But it took time to drive, to search out and to find where the enemy was and to rid the city completely so it was completely surrendered to the Crusaders. So in our life, you see, there are some holdouts. We give our life to Jesus Christ, but there's some un, there's some areas And why do we hold on to them? Because we think in those areas, those unsurrendered places, that somehow our rule in those places is better than God's rule, right? Our way is better than God's way. So they're unsurrendered places, aren't they? Because we don't trust the Lord with this place. Maybe there are works, like, you know, our methodologies or things we're holding on to. But you know what? The greater our faith the more we get a vision of Jesus, the more we'll gladly surrender those areas. Knowing that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than what we can do. Exceedingly abundantly more. So we surrender those places and by faith. And it allows Jesus to do the greater work in us to own us completely, to have his full sway in our life. Now, our faith is great because it is true. It is substantial. It is unwavering, immovable, never changing, and absolute. It's absolute. It is the right, the true. It doesn't change. It doesn't alter. It is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. It was the faith of my grandparents. It was the faith of my parents. It is my faith. And it is my children's faith. It worked for my grandma and my grandpa. It worked for my mom. It worked for my dad. It worked for me. It worked for my husband, Brian. And now I am seeing it work for my children and my grandchildren. This week, or this week, my, my grandson, my 17-year-old grandson, yeah, I'm old. My 17-year-old grandson, let me say that one more time. My 17-year-old grandson, I told him to stop growing. 
because he's 6'2", but he wouldn't, had um, appendicitis attack. And it was like, it was so, it was such a God thing, not the attack, but the fact that he's kind of had the stomach flu like every two weeks, right? And he, he's, in a, he's in this Christian boarding school that God opened the doors for, awesome. And he asked his parents if he could come home this weekend. They said, nah, you know, just stay at school, get used to it. But he said, no, I really want to come home. He came home, he was sick all weekend long. Just all week, just all weekend, you know, not feeling well, you know, throwing up. And just his stomach just complaining of how, how much pain he was in. And Kristen, who had an appendicitis attack at the same age, said, Michael, I think you should take him to the doctor. And they did. And they found out that his appendix were about to burst. He had an emergency appendectomy. They were able to do it laparoscopically because it didn't burst. And man, it improved my grandson's prayer life like you couldn't believe. He knows it's God. He sees the hand of God in in all of it. Interestingly enough, it was an appendicitis attack that brought my daughter, Kristen, his mother, back to Jesus. It was an appendicitis that my father had at the same age, 17, that got his attention from God. I'm not saying you need a burst appendix, (laughs) but I am saying that our faith is great because it never changes. It works for my grandson just as it works for me. It works for anyone who will call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Anyone and everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. Our faith is great because it is evidential and proven. It works. It works. It always works. It always works. When J. Iris' daughter died, and he was on the path to his house with Jesus, and the messenger came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the master any longer. Jesus turned to J. Iris and said, have faith. Have faith. Because faith will work. When Peter was about to go through the most trying time of his life, Luke chapter 22, right before the cross, right before Peter's own failure in denying Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for you by name that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. You see, faith works in any situation. Trusting God and entrusting to God is always the right thing to do. Striving is the wrong thing. Methodology is the wrong thing. Pride is the wrong thing. Aggression is the wrong thing. Anger is the wrong thing. Frustration is the wrong thing. But the right thing is faith in God. It is to Trust God and entrust to God. That is always the right action to take because it's proven. It works every time. As believers, we do not need greater faith, more faith, 
or a different faith. We just need to know more about our faith in Jesus Christ, which is the person of Jesus Christ. The more we know about Jesus, his glory, his goodness, his greatness, his grandeur, the stronger the faith we have that's been instilled with us, that is gone in like a mustard seed, the stronger it will become, the greater it will grow, and the more it will take over our lives and hearts. Without a strong faith, we will be pressed down by every trial. Pressed down. We will be paralyzed by every fear. We will be pushed about by every wind of culture. We won't know what we believe about any given subject. We will be petrified of difficulty. No, I can't do it. It's too difficult. I don't know how I'm going to do it. We will be in opposition to trusting God. I've got to do this myself. I can't just trust this to God. God helps those who trust themselves. No. It's not even the Bible. That's in Satan's almanac. We will be perplexed over everything God does. Lord, why? Lord, why? Lord, why? Lord, why? Why? That's what we'll ask about everything. Why did you allow it? Why did you do this? Why? Why are you telling me this? Why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to do this? We will be asking why about everything, perplexed. We will be complacent. We will accept the status quo and just leave everything alone. Don't upset the devil. Just, you know, keep him pacified. We won't want to go beyond And we will be purposeless in life, purposeless. It will all be about just surviving, just making it through another day. What we believe, understand, appropriate, and are established in about Jesus will affect the way we think. It will affect our thoughts. We will think bigger thoughts. It will affect what we prioritize, what is important to us, and what is trivial to us. It will affect the way we live in this world, the how we live, how we live, whether we live victoriously or whether we live oppressed. It will affect the things that we spend our time doing and on. It will affect how we react to hardship and difficulties, and exaltations, and success. What we know and believe about Jesus Christ. If we believe Jesus is who he is, and has done all he said he is, when it comes to hardship, we say, Lord, this is too big for me. You take it. Can't wait to see what you do with this one. I told you the story of Mr. Squiggle. Forgive me if I go there again, but my father once told me it's all right to use the same illustration. Because he did, right? And you kind of go, oh, here's Chuck number 342. Love this illustration, right? Or love this Chuck story. So I got Cheryl's stories. But I've told you this before. I used to watch Bozo the Clown. I never liked Bozo. He kind of freaked me out. But I liked Mr. Squiggle. 
I loved Mr. Squiggle. And Mr. Squiggle will bring out that easel and let the, the angriest child in that audience come up and just mar the canvas. And then Mr. Squiggle would look at that squiggle on the canvas. And he would pick up the pen and he would begin to just add lines. And when he was finished, you had a work of art. You had like an alligator with baby alligators. Or you had like a mommy duck with other ducks in a pond. These are actual things that I saw with my own eyes. (laughs) Or you had Rapunzel, you know, screaming out the tower window with her hair just cascading down. And it was amazing. And you couldn't see where the original squiggle was. You couldn't see where the mar on the canvas had been. Because Mr. Squiggle had taken it and incorporated it into his work of art. So it looked like it was purposeful and done that way. He just brought his creativity and his talent and his artistry to that canvas and to that squiggle. And he made something amazing. You see, when we believe that Jesus is the great artist, When we realize who he is, we will give him the squiggles of life and say, I can't wait to see the work of art that you're creating. I can't wait to see how this weaves into the tapestry of my life. Same thing with difficulties, but also how we react to exaltations. When something happens, your children are saved. You don't go, yes, come to me if you want to know how to parent. What you say is like, it was all God. I was so afraid I was going down, but God was going up. You know you, you give the glory to God in exaltation. You say it was Jesus and Jesus alone. He did it. Oh, let me tell you what Jesus did. When you have a victory or success, you don't write a book, 10 ways to successful Christian living. No, you say it is Jesus, Jesus by the power by the glory and for the glory of God. He did this. He did it when I couldn't do it. He did it even when my faith was weak. He still worked and did this wondrous thing because he is God. It will change the influence that we have on others. When I lived in Vista, this woman came to Vista and she said, do you notice that all the women in Vista kind of talk like you? And they all dress like you and you all have the same purse? I never realized I was a woman of influence until that moment. I was like, we all talk, maybe I talk like them. They're not necessarily talking like me, but we all, we all started talking alike and I became an influence. You know, when we love Jesus, when we believe Jesus, we influence others in faith. They're like, I want that faith. I have a friend, actually it's Kathy Gilbert, who just breaks into spontaneous prayer all the time. You're like, oh, we're praying. She just does it. I mean, it doesn't matter like a difficulty, a hardship. She just breaks into spontaneous prayer. And I have found myself under the influence of Kathy breaking into spontaneous prayer. This is the right course of action in any situation, break into spontaneous prayer because we're going to roll it onto Jesus. Oh, don't we want to be 
a person of influence. I've told you this story. So this is repeat story day. But my friend Nancy Sylvester has this um, addendum at the end of all of her prayers. And it's this, come and get yourself glory, right? So she was driving. She lives in England, in northern England. She was driving one day. She had her, her three oldest children were all young at the time. They were in the back seat. And she got pulled over because she was speeding. If you know how Nancy drives, this is not a surprise. But she gets pulled over. And as the police officer, or Bobby, is walking towards her car, her kids in unison say, Oh, Lord, come and get yourself glory. Now that's an influence. That's an influence. You know, sometimes I hear my children talking just like me. It's, it's crazy. Of course, they go, oh, no, I'm acting like mom. In fact, one of them gave me a card and said, at some point in everyone's life, they find themselves quoting their mother. I love that card. I framed it. But I want to be an influence and influence others to faith. Believe. God's got this covered. He's got this covered. It affects those around us. We have an effect. I think about when Mary took the alabaster box and broke it out and the fragrance, we're told, filled the house. Everybody was affected by the fragrance of Mary's worship. We will have an effect on others. You know what? You are having an effect on others. All of you are having an effect on others. What is that effect? Are you instilling fear in others? Because fear is contagious. Or are you instilling, instilling faith in others? Are you instilling a spirit of competition? Oh, you think you did that good? Have you seen mine? Are, are you instilling intimidation? It's like, I know that there are some people that you, you spend time with and you go away going, I really need to update my wardrobe. Or, I have so many lines on my face. Or, wow, my house really needs decorating. Or, you know, the after effect, the fruit of spending time with people. Oh, that we might affect people so that they leave our presence and they say, Jesus is real. I'm going to trust and interest. Or, I can't wait to give this to Jesus. I want to have that kind of effect. And it affects what we leave and in it, what we leave to as an inheritance to our children. It is what we leave with our children. What are they going to remember about us? What is the legacy that that we're going to give our children? My children know there's no money. It's faith. But oh, faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. As we study Hebrews together, we are going to realize together that Jesus is so much more than what we ever realized before. He is so much more. He is more than what we ever reckoned with. As Elizabeth Elliot 
used to say, God does not give advice or suggestions. He speaks the word and there is no other option. He is so much more than what we regarded him as. Remember the disciples? They wake him up and say, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? They, they just want him to help them bail water. But what does Jesus do? He gets up, he stands up in this rocking boat and says, all right, that's enough. Wind be still. And the storm ceases. And the disciples look at each other and say, even the wind and the waves obey him. He is so much more than you've regarded him. You know he's savior, but he is more. He is more. He is stronger. He is greater. He is grander in person. He is greater in power. He is more glorious in prestige than you ever imagined or considered him to be. When we get to heaven, I think we're going to go, the hath has not been told this side the golden sea. And I can't remember the rest, but my dad used to sing that. We are going to say, oh my, you are so much greater, grander, and more glorious than I ever knew. But I had a glimpse because I went to Joyful Life in the study of Hebrews. Just saying. Just saying. As our faith is strengthened in the person of Jesus, it will be activated. It will be activated. And this this is where we'll see it activated. To seek the will of God. To want the will of God. To desire the will of God. To find the will of God. To obey the will of God to work in or cooperate with the will of God and to be excited and passionate for the will of God. It will revolutionize, it will revolutionize the way we run the way. (laughs) I feel like uh, Elmo Fudd. It will revolutionize the way we run the race. So I wanted to say it will revolutionize the way we run the race. It will revolutionize, and I'm going to pause so I can get this right, the way we run the race. If you say that fast, you too can sound like Elmer Fudd. But what I mean by this is it will change the course we run. It will change the speed we run out. It will change the times we run. We'll want to run all the time. It will change our attitude toward the run, and it will change the companions that we run with, and will change the disposition of the race itself. It will bring the extraordinary into the ordinary as it did the heroes of faith we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. To this end, we, as a Joyful Life Bible study, which is actually you too, so invite yourself to persevere in the study of Hebrews. Come as often as you can. There is no condemnation at this study. If you miss a week, you can still come back. If you miss two weeks, come back. But this time you have to bring a friend. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Come. Come. Come if you've done all your homework. Come if you've only answered three questions. Come if you haven't done any of your homework. But as they're opening up, just read the chapter really quick and go, yes, I've, I've read the chapter. Do that. 
Utilize your leaders and assistant leaders in your group. If you have a question, call them. If they're unavailable, call the church office and ask for a pastor. In fact, let's make this test the pastor time. (laughs) Consider doing your homework with a friend, your spouse, your son or daughter, maybe some other women in your group or a neighbor or all by yourself. You can do it anyway. Come and discuss your discoveries because God is going to have treasures for you insights, beautiful things. Let me say there's, we, we keep the questions open-ended. So there's not like, I don't want you to think, well, what did Cheryl want me to answer? Or what did Jasmine have in mind when they wrote this question? Don't do that. It's what is the spirit of the Lord putting on your heart? What is the treasure that God is showing you? And come to discuss your discoveries as you study about Jesus, as you talk about Jesus, as you hear about Jesus working in the lives of others in the group. And as you see him working in the word of God, you will be strengthened in your faith. Where do you go to strengthen your muscles, right? You go to the gym. So think of this as the holy gym. Come together to strengthen those faith muscles. Meet with women who are also growing in faith, just like you. Think of this as a divine aerobics class. I didn't say those bicycle spin classes because when I did it once and I strapped my feet in, I fell on the bars, on the bar, because there was only one bar in the front of it. Why did that hurt? Anyway, I want you to know, I could not tighten mine. I had a broken bike, it wouldn't tighten. So I just went as fast as I could and stayed seated and never stood because when I stood, that's when I fell over. So I came in number 15 in a class of 40, but that's because I cheated. Okay, come and cheat here at Joyful Life. Now, come strengthen your muscles. Meet with women that are growing in faith, just like you. And come and submit your difficulties in prayer that and trust and entrust to God in prayer that you might watch God move and see the answers to your prayer and thus be strengthened in prayer and give your testimony, your faith-strengthening testimony to others that they might be strengthened in faith. Come into the sanctuary to worship the Lord because this is not like a, this worship is not busy work, okay? It's not optional. You need to come in here and proclaim what God is doing and who God is. You see, worship is the opportunity to make the truths that we know go into the sinew of our muscles. That's what we do. And you know, it's interesting how much a song will come back to you in a trial. Have you ever had that? I remember a trial with, a, with one of my children when they were in prodigal lifestyle. And the song that would come to me is, Our God Saves. Our God Saves. And when it would become the darkest place and all hope seems lost, the Holy Spirit would prompt my heart and I would sing, Our God Saves. And every time I would come to church and they would sing, Our God Saves, man, my hands would go up. And I'm like, Our God Saves. And he did. And he did. We need to proclaim the truth. The truth of our faith. And that's what worship is. 
don't reduce it to singing or pre-study activity or busy work. But I want you to see it as a time to declare who Jesus is to your heart and to your mind and express to him directly what you know him to be. Then hear the study of the word because you know what it does? It puts us all on the same page. God brings clarity, insight, prophetic word because he's God. Not because I'm speaking, but because he'll choose a donkey if he needs to, to speak to. I am that donkey. And it will take your understanding and these truths to the next level. And it will bring a unity of the spirit as we grow together. God desires to strengthen our faith and make it even stronger than half dome, even stronger, stronger than a mountain of granite that these little things aren't going to move us anymore because we know whom we have believed in and we are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have entrusted to him even to that day. Oh, that God might through this study of Hebrews Make us women of faith, women who believe our God, who entrust and trust our God so that the world is turned right side up by faith. As you gain a greater understanding of your great Savior and what is true about Jesus, your faith will be strengthened. Will you stand up? I want to say a blessing over you. I also want to pray that God makes you come every week, but that's just me. Lord, I do pray for these precious women that have come because they want to hear from you. Lord, I pray that by your spirit working in them, that you will make each one of us women of faith, women who believe our God, So women who trust our God and entrust our God, Lord, that we would get a clearer, greater picture of you and that, Lord, our praise would be, oh, you are more than, you are more than, you are more than. Oh God, oh God, do this in us. Work in us as you want to. Lord, bless your women. Lord, show them the great path of faith that you have for each one of them, each one. Let them know that they are the favored one. They are the blessed one. They are the chosen one. They are the beloved. They are the wanted. They are the appreciated. They are the one that you, by your spirit, drew to this place, to this time, in order to bless, in order to enlighten, in in order to help and do miraculous things in and through them. Bless your women, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.